Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Purnell, founder of Vegan Business Tribe, broadcasting to you around the world on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your pods, but now also in glorious video on YouTube too. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking of starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to have a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And we are now on the final countdown towards our flagship event, which is Vegan Business Tribe Live, sponsored by by vegan accountants, and that's at the London Olympia as part of VegFest UK. And if you can get to London on the weekend of the 18th and 19th of November, then I really want to see you there. We have such an amazing lineup of two days of more than 25 speakers and vegan business rock stars and industry experts for you to learn from. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that this is the only vegan business event of its kind where every single speaker is personally vegan themselves. And Some of the sessions that we're running over the two days, they're covering those harder business topics. So, for example, we've got a panel of angel investors on the Saturday to give us their tips on what investors look for in a vegan business. But we're also covering some of the softer topics, too. So, for example, on Sunday, we've got a panel talking about how to use your business as your activism. And as As a preview to Tribe Live, I wanted to share with you a recording from last year of one of our panels from last year, which was Vegan Business Tribe Live 2022. And this one, it was one of my favourite panels of the event. I have to be honest, because we brought together three vegan animal sanctuary owners to talk about the realities of running an animal sanctuary. And I thought, that this was just a really important conversation to have. And this was a really important session because I've met so many vegan business owners who have joined Vegan Business Tribe. And when I've met up with them for their new member welcome session, they've told me that part of the reason that they started a vegan business was this future dream that they had of one day buying some land and maybe opening a sanctuary... And it sounds really idyllic, doesn't it? You know, it's the ultimate vegan dream. But then you're not thinking about those 5am starts or having to work every single day and those huge veterinary and food bills. So in this live recording from last year's Tribe Live, we're joined by panel host Susan Joyce, who is the founder of Little Green Pigeon Wildlife Sanctuary in Wales, Wenda Shihata, who's the founder of Huglet's Wood Farm Animal Sanctuary, and Lisa Shawani, who runs Footprints Animal Sanctuary in Cheshire. And it's a really frank talk about what it's really like to run an animal sanctuary. 
And if you do enjoy this session and find it interesting, please do consider supporting these three amazing places. All of them, they do crucial work and they're really at that sharp end of vegan activism. They're doing the kind of work for the vegan cause that many of us just never will. And if you want to see the full lineup of speakers for this year's Vegan Business Tribe Live on the 18th and 19th of November 2023 in London, just head to our website at veganbusinesstribe.com, click on that Tribe Live tab, and that'll give you all the information that you need. Now, the event, it is part of VegFest UK, meaning that you get full access to all of our sessions and the full VegFest. Fest Expo in one ticket. And that's only £10 a day. I think it's about £12 for the entire weekend if you buy in advance. So I'll now hand you over to Susan Joyce for the panel recorded live at Tribe Live 2022 at the London Olympia. Thank you very much, David. So I thought when I was thinking of the questions for this, it was questions that I wish I had had the opportunity to ask 12 years ago before I started my sanctuary. Um, so, hey ladies, how are you doing? I'm sure you would have liked to, to have had questions as well when you, when you first started. Do you want to just talk, maybe start with you, Lisa, about your sanctuary a little bit? What first interested you into starting a sanctuary? How did you start? And just a little bit about what your sanctuary's like, what animals do you have? And Okay, so we're based in Staffordshire. Um, I actually saw a Facebook post in a local vegan group that says, I'm thinking of starting up an animal sanctuary. Does anybody fancy it? And I maybe, well, I answered the, <laughs> I answered the post and here I am um, sort of five years later. So um, I set up, we set up Footprint, a small group of us. Um, five years ago, we just started fundraising until we had enough money to lease some land. Um, and we, yeah, we just went from there. Um, we predominantly rescue farm animals. So we've got 21 pigs, um, 35 sheep, um, goats, chickens, cockerels, turkeys, ducks. So all of your typical farm animals and a few feral cats as well that have um, wangled their way in. <laughs> yeah, they do that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Wenda? Um, my story is a little bit different. It started, I was just trying to think how many years ago, 55 years ago, um, when I was a very young child and we came back from the Middle East to where I grew up and the sole purpose of our trip back was to sell my uncle's dairy farm. And while I was there, I heard a conversation between my uncle's herdsman and my father saying that they were going to send the calves off. I was already vegetarian um, because I discovered that my so-called parents were feeding me flesh, so that was enough for me. Um, and I, I was very aware that the calves were being taken from their mothers. So at seven years old, I took, I think it was six or seven calves, up to the cops behind the farm where they were, and I took a bucket of milk, and we were fine. We listened to the people calling our names all night, and in the morning, the calves sadly wanted more milk, so they started mooing, and it brought the people to us. My punishment was to watch the calves being loaded to be taken to market. And even as a seven-year-old that day, I vowed that one day I would have somewhere where no one was separated from their mother, where families could be, where people 
people, animal people, could find refuge. And it took me until 27 years ago to achieve that. So for the last 27 years, I've been running Huglets Wood with my partner. Um, we have 88 cows, soon to be 90 cows. We have, I think, nearly 80 sheep. We have only five pigs and we have a few birds. So in total, we have just over 400 animals. Um, we've been doing this, as I said, on our own for 27 years. Um, it's my dream come true. That's amazing. It always, it always shocks me how different every sanctuary is. When you talk to a different sanctuary owner, I think there's an assumption that if you rescue farm animals, you, you'll have this many, you'll be like this. And, you know, and, and if yeah. you look after this type of animal, I think there are similarities, but they're all set up so differently. And I think even as vegans, we've all come into it in very different ways. Mm. Um, my sanctuary is very different to yours. I look after pigeons and, and only pigeons. Mm. I take about two, two to 3,000 birds a year, depending on how busy we need to be. Um, and my background is I worked in veterinary practice for 15 years um, before being at very fortunate financially that I was able to give up work to fund uh, to, to uh, create a community interest company to fund the sanctuary because my entire wage was going on the sanctuary I wasn't actually drawing a wage and we'll all find that I mean we're all skinned aren't we so yeah and it was just I was very fortunate to find a way of doing it a, a slightly different way my hat's fallen off pigeons are heavy so that leads me into the next question which is how you fund your sanctuaries so we're entirely um, reliant on donations from the public. Um, we have um, a, a huge amount of support locally. We um, also do lots of events. Um, I was talking to you earlier about how fundraising has changed absolutely. over the last yeah, few absolutely. months. Um, I think the, the whole cost of living and how the price increases for feed yeah. for us, but also for everybody else. So we have a lot of people that have always done standing orders, but they are dropping. Yeah. Um, so we're having to think about how we can fundraise differently now. So that's a whole new conversation topic. Um, we are looking at, I think we're finding that people want something in return for their money now rather than just giving That's, a donation. Yeah, you find that as well, Wenda. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're doing much more, um, like we're doing vegan afternoon teas. We've just held a vegan curry fundraising evening. Um, open days, as you know, selling merchandise, different ways of trying to get the funds in so that they are still rolling in to support the animals, but people are getting something in return for their money now because money's tight. So I understand that. Once again, we're slightly different. <laughs> um, we, when we, well, when I started the sanctuary, I realized my, my background is finance and accountancy. So I'm a number cruncher. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not wild at heart and it doesn't mean that I, I mean, I don't go for things without thinking it through, but I, I realized that it was very, very dangerous to try and set up a sanctuary and offer sanctuary if, if one couldn't themselves provide for all the costs of the animals that come to the sanctuary. Because society is so changeable that it, at sometimes people have a lot of fluid money and at other times, like now, we're told we're in a recession, people are pulling back. So what I wanted to achieve, and by that time I, I had a new partner, which was very exciting, um, but we decided that if 
if we could fund the basics of every animal that we took at the sanctuary ourselves, we were then able to offer the animals who come to us sanctuary. Sanctuary isn't just for two weeks or three weeks in our book. It's a lifelong commitment, and cows can live 25, 30 years. Same with sheep. Sheep can live 20, 25 years. So we wanted to be absolutely certain that by saying we were a sanctuary in our book, to our way of thinking, we were or we are a sanctuary. So we, Matthew, my partner, is a traditional woodsman, so we have a forest, a woodland that goes with the sanctuary, 18 acres of broadleaf woodland. So he works that very, very gently, allowing for natural regeneration and the fallen trees, he creates the most wonderful masterpieces and charcoal and all sorts of different things. I, for many, many years, did, did small businesses, books. I did their PAYE, I did their BAT. Over COVID, my income source has dried up. People don't want to have to pay for the things that they can learn themselves. So over the past two years, I've actually started making things. So I make bags, I make makeup bags, I make the catnip mice that you buy off the stall. I do more shows. I do as many shows as I can fit in in a year so that between us, we can still generate the funding that is necessary. And, and what we created also was the number of people who used to say to us, I want to sponsor a cow, I want to do this. We weren't so happy with people giving us money. It's a moral thing to us. But by taking people's money, we are promising the friendship of an animal. So we flipped it on its head and we said to people when they said to us, oh, I want to sponsor a cow or a sheep or a pig. And my stock return was, well, you present yourself to be chosen and we'll see who likes you and then we'll take your money. So we created something called the Special Person Scheme. And it threw people's sponsorship totally backwards. People in society are used to saying, I want that, I'll pay for it. Not at Huglet's Wood. You come and you see if anybody wants you. And it's worked so well because we are in a position where we are allowing beautiful relationships that are beneficial to the human, beneficial to the animal. And for that, we've asked people to contribute 50% of the monthly cost of maintenance. In return, they get a monthly visit to come and see their special friend. And just about, we can break even. Before we take anybody, I actually number crunch again, and I see how much more money we have to generate. We discuss it. We try and encourage people to, to come and, and be chosen. And then we know that for a certain period of time, we get additional help. That's a animals. beautiful way of doing it. Yeah, yeah I think that's fantastic. Well, it's, it's, it's a different way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I like is it puts everything in the animal's in, yes. in the fall, you know, yeah. in the yeah. animal's court. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, well, we were sort of touched on this this morning, weren't we really, that there's an assumption that you look after the animals and then the money just sort of comes in and, and here we are working really hard at shows like this and, you know, we're the same, we do, and, and you do as well, don't you, Lisa? I know I've done quite a few vegan fairs with you um, in uh, Nottingham, uh, Newcastle, sorry. And um, yeah, and these are really hard work as well, aren't they? So, but, but it's also so, I think you probably feel the same, is it's so lovely when supporters and people that do 
support you morally, but also financially come and say hello at events like this. It's really important. And it absolutely just gives every, all the energy back to you that you need, isn't it? Um, yeah, it really does. There was something you said that, that sort of brought on to another question that I got was, how do you deal with saying no to animals? Because I know you'll be the same as me. You, it's constant barrage of can you help, can you help? Is there a no? Because I've had to do it and it's horrific. Is there a no? And if there is a no, how do you say no to the, the people, but obviously they're trying to bring in animals? There is, there is a no. There has to be a no because we've got so many animals. I mean, we haven't got as many animals as you. We've got around 150, 160 Yeah, but animals. mine are little. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tiny. Um, but we say no because, like, like you said, we've offered sanctuary to those animals yeah. and taking more on that we can't afford to support. Yeah impacts the animals that we've already got in our care so until we can pr provide for for the animals we have we have to say no you have to I think I said to you earlier you you've I've built a wall yeah you have a I have a yeah. wall of emotion you do become a bit cynical almost because yeah. you you have to protect the animals that you have we rehome as well so we we do try and find new forever homes for our animals but, um, yeah, saying no is the hardest thing ever because you, we say no on a weekly basis. Um, you know, cockerels, goodness me, everybody knows about the amount of cockerels that, that are around and that we get messaged about. Um, you know, people offer them to us as if, as if they're doing us a favour. Yes, that, that exactly. <laughs> would, would you yeah, like? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> would you? Yeah, here's a yeah, gift. Here's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know the one I get is that, um, so I'll take from, I will take from all over the UK and I do get birds from all over the UK, but I try and just take locally for nothing else, just for the welfare of the birds, because they don't want to travel for eight hours from Scotland and there are other sanctuaries. So I do try and, where possible, deviate and, and let them go to other nearer sanctuaries. Um, and I've totally forgotten my train of thought on that. Um, yeah, it was what you said about um, people think they're doing you a favour. So I will have, I don't collect birds and I won't go and rescue birds from a situation unless I there is absolutely no choice but people will assume that I will just have a ladder and a great big van and a team of people and go out and climb up to the top of somewhere like this and, and get a pigeon and you can't do it um and that's for several reasons one because I'm really clumsy and I'd fall off and break my legs and then who would look after the birds but also it's the time um very different with the animals you look after, but I imagine it's the same thing. So people have phoned me and said, there's a bird in this road. Oh, it's only 10 minutes away. You can go and look at it. And in the past, I would have gone, it's only 10 minutes away. And you get there, it's flown off. And that's wasted 40 minutes time. And then you get back and other people are calling or other people have... And it, and it literally becomes each minute of your day is either about care or fundraising. There's no other time. And it's hard to... I find, as a sanctuary owner, it's hard to make people understand how valuable... Everyone's time's valuable. We're all... Everybody's busy, especially at the moment. Everyone's busy. But when you're running a sanctuary, it's not just about you. It's about the animals in your care. So it's their time and their care you're taking up by asking us to go out and rescue. And I do understand that somebody's got to do it, but it's very difficult. How do you deal with that with sort of saying, no, you have to bring it to us? Is there a way you deal with that? Because I just ended up being rude to people, and that's not me. I hate doing it, but... Um... Yeah, I, t I tend to get in my van and go and collect. Do you collect? <laughs> you're amazing. I don't know how you're supposed to do I don't, it. I don't always. It yeah. doesn't, you can't, I don't think that you can give an answer 
a, a very specific answer on uh -huh. what you would do in a rescue because every single one is different. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a very difficult one to answer because there's yeah so maybe it's more scenarios. the same it's always a pigeon so it's yeah <laughs> yeah if it's i mean if it's if it's a chicken versus yeah, it's, it's a 200 kilo pig that we rescued last yeah, week absolutely yeah you know, that's that's very different um scenarios yeah do you yeah, go out do, or do they bring to you um once again we're different <laughs> we don't say no we say we can't take whoever you're offering to us here but because we've been going so long we tend to know Many, many sanctuaries, the new ones, the old ones, those that don't get any publicity. And I always say, please, can you leave it with me for 24 hours and I will find somewhere for you. And to my way of thinking, that is not denying sanctuary because we're unable to help. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually going the extra mile and once again, expanding the meaning of sanctuary uh, in that because we can't take someone doesn't mean they can't be saved. Uh, but what is really important is, and what I do find difficult is, people thinking that we are just, well, all of us are just there to make them feel good. You know, that like they, they've rescued they have an saved animal. Yeah, okay. an animal. Yeah, it that. is not the saving that matters. It's the 20 odd years or yeah. the 10 years yeah. or even the 48 hours in some cases that... that that matter following their rescue. Um, it, it's very, very difficult because people are quite, I've found quite belligerent and rude and aggressive because they expect us to be able to find the money for all the years yeah. care. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is emotional blackmail. And, and I think by saying we can't help, but we'll find someone who will help yeah. sort of bypasses that. It, it, it stops anything becoming negative. It doesn't give people anything to kick against, but it provides a solution. And, and we're there to provide a solution. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I do appreciate as well to, to you guys listening. We probably all sound really cynical yeah. and, and quite sort of like Arr about it, but it does make you a little bit mm. like that. But equally, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I, no. I love it. And the support we get and the people that support us are wonderful. Mm. And yeah. in, in a way, this is coming off. In a way, yeah. that um, absolutely, um, <laughs> sorry, Pidge, that absolutely mm. restores your faith, doesn't it? it? Does. So. it does. If you are a UK vegan business, wouldn't it be better to have an accountant that shares your ethics? Well, vegan accountants have got over 30 years of experience and they're a vegan founded company. And just to add, they're also our accountants at Vegan Business Tribe because they just get us. They understand why we do what we do and they make sure that we're doing it in the most tax efficient way possible. Keith and his team, they've been massive supporters of our mission at Vegan Business Tribe. So if you are an established UK business with a growth mindset and you want an accountant that is going to help you grow and shares your mission as well as saves you tax, then just go to veganaccountants.co.uk to find out more. Did you know that in the UK alone, there is currently around £3 trillion invested in pensions? And much of that money, it's helping to fund harmful industries like tobacco, fossil fuels, gambling and animal agriculture. 
So if instead you want to put your money where your heart is, then Jay Street is the founder of Mindful Wealth, our UK-based independent and vegan financial advisor here at Vegan Business Tribe. And because they are truly independent, they're not restricted to any specific investment range, so they can find the best option that works for you both financially and ethically. Although do note that the value of your investments, it can go down as well as up. But you don't need to have a lot of money invested to make a difference. If you want to talk about your financial planning, whether you're just starting your journey or you need a little guidance on how to create and maintain good habits, then book a free discovery call with Jay by heading to mindfulwealth.uk. I guess that brings on, it's quite emotional. How do you cope with the grief of the loss of the animals in your sanctuary? Because it's a common thing. And how do you we cope grieve. with that? Matthew yeah. and I are like children. We allow ourselves the grieving process. It's healthy. You, you can't work closely with someone who, over the period of time that they're with you, will develop a life that is so different to that that they found or had when they came to you. It is... It's what we're there for. It's to create a situation that allows our residents to become themselves, to find themselves, to be themselves. And, and many a time, um, delivery people have come, and Matthew, he, he is emotional, and we are close, and we do grieve. I cry a lot. I cry. I'm one of those strange old ladies who cries for happiness and who cries for sadness or will just see something and burst into tears. But but no, it always it makes me chuckle when the delivery people come and I'm walking around going <laughs> and I can't talk. Yeah. So yeah. so we allow ourselves to grieve. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? How do you deal with it? Yeah, the same. You you know you and it's there are there are some animals that will hit you harder than others, yeah. just as there are some humans yeah. deaths that hit you harder than others. Um there are some some connections that are stronger naturally. As you say, the animals choose you. They choose, yeah, they choose yeah. The, yeah. if they want. We've got, we've got animals, I've got, like there's a pig that we've had at our sanctuary um, for four years. Um, she won't come near me. She doesn't like me. She doesn't like anybody. But that's okay, you know. I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. we, maybe we all can. Yeah. She, you know, she wants her food. She wants fresh bedding. She wants her water changed. Yeah. But don't touch me. Yeah. Is, is oh, literally absolutely. Her response. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've got others that, you know, if I've got a, a, a 200 odd kilo pig that, that likes to come and rub his snout up against your nose because for him. That's really sweet. That, yeah. Because that, that. pigeons are just all ungrateful. <laughs> I'm really jealous. They all hate me. They all wing slap me. They all bite me. They don't care as long as they're feeding. They're really ungrateful. I love them, but they're really ungrateful. It's nice that pigs are grateful. What, um, what keeps you going? In the middle of winter, when it's when you're cold and you're tired and it's non-stop rain, and you guys are out with the pigs and the cows, and I'm in a nice warm aviary with birds, <laughs> what keeps you going? Uh, someone's got to do it. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I guess it's the. I love it. I can't. I, I couldn't think of anything else. It's. Gosh, I could sit here and be super negative about everything that we do every yeah. day and I could moan and groan but you know that, that they need you 
and I need them. Yeah. So when we first started, you know, we, we call ourselves an animal sanctuary and um, we're, again, we're very different from you. We have volunteers um, and we have lots I of I was vol- going to ask about volunteers because I know that is <laughs> so, so we, controversial. So we have lots of volunteers. <laughs> but for some of our volunteers, they've come to help the animals. But actually, that's flipped a little bit. And yeah. the sanctuary is also a sanctuary for them. Yes. Yeah. So for, for some of those volunteers, it's, it's changed them, it's saved them, it's changed their views, their mindsets, yeah. the, you know, the way they think. We have a lot of volunteers that come along that aren't vegan. And they come along and three months later, they're like, oh, I've just tried this and this is really nice. And they're starting to make the change because they've made connections that they've never been able to make yeah. before. Well, I know I we've spoken before about the farmer that... Uh, you, you rent the land off. Yeah, so we, we, we rent our land from um, an ex-farmer. He's not farmed since the 90s, so yeah. we were happy to, to sort of rent the land from him because the money that we pay him isn't going yeah, into isn't the going industry. Yeah, isn't going to animal agriculture. Um, yeah, he stopped farming in 1991. Um, he's 81 years old and now has oat milk on his porridge, which which is bizarre because yeah. and I go to the the local vegan markets and I I take I, I took him some scones a few months ago and I went to another market and the scone lady was there so I took him some more scones. His first his first response was these don't taste vegan. <laughs> and now if I if I turn up on a Sunday afternoon and I've not got scones, he wants to know where they are. So. <laughs> And his wife has, you know, started doing some vegan baking. And, you know, it's just about making small changes to the people around us sometimes. Would you like to take the mic and tell us your opinion on volunteers, Wenda? (laughs) (laughs) Right, we've got 25 minutes left. So, yes, good. Um, I'll take 20 of those minutes. Um, Really, you know, what hits me is is this forum is called... um, so you want to run an animal sanctuary. And I think if we've not put you off yet, um, I might now. But um, really, volunteers are something that affect every sanctuary differently. Um, in the early days, 27 years ago, we weren't short of, of any number of people rolling up at our gate and saying, we want to volunteer. Um, but when asked what experience they have or what knowledge they have about animals, we were met with silence. And maybe, and as I said before, I'm probably a strange old girl, but you know, if, if you want to help animals, if one wants to help animals, then one has to offer something or be able to do something that is beneficial to them. Um, so to cut a long story short, um, we, we took in about four or five volunteers the two that I was, was telling Sue about that really put us off totally was when a couple who had been two or three days um, couldn't really do much, but I sent them down with a bucket of pig food one day, and I do hope this doesn't offend any of you. Um, it offended me greatly at the time, but I can see the funny side of it now. But um, I sent them packing down to the pig area with a bucket of feed for the pigs. 45 minutes later, they hadn't come back, so I wandered down, and the bucket of pig food was outside the pig pen with the pigs lined up going, oh, 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 wanting to know why they hadn't got their food. And the strangest of sounds came from behind the pigsty. And as I walked around, they were intimate. They were making love. So 
I won't repeat what I said, but I, I very impolitely <laughs> asked them to leave immediately. And, and my main thing was the pigs hadn't been fed. Had they fed the pigs and then done that, I wouldn't have been so reactive. But these poor little creatures were standing there staring at their feed bucket. And the two people who should have been feeding them, whose duty it was to feed them, were doing other things. I'm sorry for laughing, so, but that is... <laughs> so we decided that day that whatever we could do ourselves, we would do. We maintain, as I said, just over 400 animals, all of them big. Um, and so David will know that I was in a scandal last year with the Daily Mail and loads of the papers for only having <laughs> vegan volunteers and vegan employees. And I need a new scandal for next year. So if anybody wants to come and have a shag behind the sanctuary pen, <laughs> bring it on. I'm all over TikTok. I think that'll go down quite well. I do feel sorry for those pigs, though. I think so. So it goes without saying we don't use volunteers now. Um, <laughs> I can't, my I can't. I need a scandal. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm a bit like that. I was saying to you this morning, I don't get many volunteers. Well, I don't have that many volunteers, but mine's very different in that pigeons don't take up that much time to actually look after. They take a long time to clean. So it's about well, a long time. It's about eight hours a week of cleaning the pens. And for me, the time is running the business to fund them um, and dealing with people, bringing them in. And then it's actually the medical care of the pigeons that takes the time. Um, so... For me, I do have volunteers, but then it's very difficult to find the time to teach those volunteers how to look after the pigeons. Because when you're in the middle of it is exactly when you need the people, but that's when you need your time to do it all. So it's really difficult, isn't it? And I did try, and we did get a few local volunteers last year, but obviously now I'm moving to Wales and they're not coming with me because they're all awful and they're all staying behind. Do you want to speak at more events? Do you want to get invited onto podcasts like this one? Well, it's far easier to do that if you can say that you have written a book. So let me tell you about The Vegan Publisher. Their founder, Matali, she is a best-selling business author herself. And Matali and her team, they will lead you through that entire process of becoming a published author, transforming you into the thought leader of your industry and writing a book it isn't just a great marketing activity to get you more clients trust me being a published author it will open up doors to opportunities that you never even knew existed so even if you think you don't have the time to write a book or even if you don't know what you might write a book about go take a look at theveganpublisher.com to find out more if you are looking to get your business in the news or on the radio or interviewed on TV, then no one's going to get your company noticed like Karen Ridges and her team at Mad Promotions. And Karen, she's been at the forefront of the vegan media scene for the last 20 years. And Mad Promotions, they're also our media partners at Vegan Business Tribe. So if you've read about us in plant-based news or in Veg Economist, then that's probably because Karen got that story there. So if you are an ethical company or entrepreneur that wants more media coverage, and if you're a company that is looking to make a difference, then that's literally what Mad Promotion stands for. Karen, she's worked with Veganuary, VegFest, and all the other big names. So go find out more at mad-promotions.com. 
if you did it all again, if you had to go back 27 years, oh, Lisa, you've done this a long time, lots and lots of years, two things that you would change, that you know now that you would change with the way you set up your sanctuary or... <laughs> First thing I would change is I would start earlier. Early. I, You'd start earlier. I would start sooner. Okay. I, yeah. I wouldn't have waited all that time to start. See, we all um, sound grumpy, but we love it, really. Yeah, <laughs> I just... And I, I, I think it's an age thing. I mean, I'm early 60s now, and, and touch wood, I'm as fit as a flea. Maybe not mentally, but physically. Um, I, there is so much that we could do if, yeah. if I had started in my 20s rather than my 30s. And, and I just think, yes, if I could change that, I would. I don't know what the second thing is. I think, well, it certainly wouldn't be taking volunteers. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> but, Not those two, for sure. <laughs> but I think, I think we would have, have grown faster than we have. You, you wish I'd, if you'd started I early, wish we could have, yeah. have got to the point where we could take more animals. Okay. Uh -huh. and, and now, you know, we're, we're at that point where we're expanding so much, we need to buy more land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we'd have started much sooner, we'd have had that land by now. So, yeah, I guess. So my only two changes. What about you, Lisa? I guess mine's similar. Wish I'd have started younger. Um, and then... I volunteered at an animal sanctuary for six months before I did this. Um, but I guess in hindsight, so we lease our land, we rent our land. Yeah. I would, my biggest piece of advice would be to own your own land. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't have to tell me about <laughs> you, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've all experienced yeah. land yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, I, I think if I could add an, a, a third one, it, it would be to learn more about land. So my... My knowledge of animals was, I would say, okay. Um, and I've learned, you just learn as you go along. Yeah. You, you learn yeah. so much more. But also thinking about the, the actual land and land rotation. Um, gosh, there's so much, so much. I wish yeah. I'd have done a lot more research before yeah. I started. I think but it's very difficult though, isn't it? Because you, you, it up as you it's go like along. anything, you don't know what you need to know until you need to know it. So I think you've been a bit hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. So... What would be, what's the best, and the, do the worst, what's the worst thing about running a sanctuary? The one thing that absolutely drives you mad that you just think, I wish I could change that, but you can't change it, it just is part of it. <laughs> and then what's the best? What's the very best thing about it? I think my worst would be, um, so I work full-time, and there's yeah. three of us that run the sanctuary full-time, but I live on site. So my worst is a, a 4.30 a.m. alarm um, before my full-time job to feed the animals. I don't know how you do it. hundred percent my worst. Yeah. Yeah. What's your worst? Mm. Once I'm up, I'm okay. Once you're up, you're okay. Yeah. 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 I don't think there is a worst thing. Um, 4.30 mornings are fine with me. <laughs> uh, three your hours. worst thing can be your volunteers. Three then. hours. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three hours sleep a night is okay. We're so used to it. Um, we like more. Um, there's really nothing bad. You know, if, it, if yeah. there was something bad, why would we actually think of it as being bad? It's all part of caring for the animals. It's all part of enriching or allowing these animals to enrich their own lives. And, and really, 
our philosophy is you do what everything, everything you have to do, you do. And so with, with that, what's, give us an idea of your daily routine, because I know you're saying about getting up early. I don't get up at 4.30 because people are really lazy and they don't want to be let out till about half past eight, so I'm lazy. Like, but I know you guys have to get up. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't. Okay, um, so what's your daily two routine? Routines. Now bear this in mind, if you're thinking of running an animal sanctuary without volunteers, <laughs> uh, this is what your day might be like. We get up in summer at four o'clock. Um, we have a quick cup of tea. Uh, we don't shower until we've fed everyone and stored everyone. Most of the animals will be outside in summer, but there are some, some that are incapacitated. We, we are home to a lot of animals who have certain infirmities, whether they're physically challenged or mentally challenged. Uh, there are times when we have to give them individual care. So we, we start the animal care straight after a cup of tea. So it's uh, pigs first, because if we don't, they wake all the neighbors that are half a mile away from us. Um, <laughs> and then we go on to the birds. Then we go out and we spend time in the fields. We're actually crazy enough to meditate in the field with the cows in summer. Or we do Tai Chi some mornings if we're feeling energetic. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, God forbid anybody came down the the bridal way because they would get some amazing <laughs> photographs of two nutters but um, as soon as we've spent time and, and checked everyone's all right we then go to the sheep feed them even if they're out in the field we feed them and um, then we head in we will uh, have a shower have breakfast then it's either going to get feed or having feed deliveries lunchtime this is saying we haven't got carbs if we've got carbs We've already done a morning feed, then we do a lunchtime feed, then we do a tea time feed and a night feed. Um, then we, we do paperwork early evening. Afternoon, we're working, doing something, repairing something, building something. Uh, my partners are great do-it-yourselfers, so between us, we've built the most amazing barns um, with, with difficulty for me because I don't like heights, so... He'll have me 25 feet up a ladder and then complain that I'm shaking and he can't line up wood. We, we do everything ourselves, absolutely everything, from building to animal care. We have vets come in. Um, over 27 years, we've learned how to do a lot of things that we didn't know when we started. So we do meds runs in between. Um, by the time it gets to 6 o'clock, it's tea time feed for some then back out to the field to check on the animals who are out grazing. Winter, we start a bit later. I think we start about 5.30 or when the alarm goes, if I can jiggle the alarm about five minutes later. Um, everybody's in by then, normally, so it's mucking out, uh, feeding, strawing, moving big bales with the telehandler. Um, then we do the chickens. We've done the pigs before. We start in the barns. And the day just goes much like summer from then on. We feed again at night because we have so many big animals that they need two big bales of hay a day um, just to keep them fed. Um, in between this, we do the vet run. The vets will come and visit us regularly. If we have an emergency, they'll come. It's, we work on average an 18-hour day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We tend not to, and this is something you should all bear in mind if you're thinking about running centuries. Life stops. When you start taking responsibility for animals, 
that's your personal life gone and you have to be prepared to there is no social life i don't know what social life i think that's why i chose pigeons (laughs) (laughs) you did lazy compared to but it's (laughs) life takes on a different a different meaning and it's it's we call it sevan um i'm a krishna devotee so my my outlook on things might be slightly different in that i my duty is to serve i don't want to serve humans I think enough people serve humans already, and I know it sounds awful. It's the epitome of an animal rights person, but that's me. But I, I am duty-bound to serve animals and, and birds, anything, wild or domestic. Um, and and the, days, the days just fly by, and occasionally I get a day or a weekend like here where I'm not at the sanctuary, and Matthew has to do everything. You've come here for a rest, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, as he calls it, I'm having a, a holiday. Yeah. 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 What about yeah, this? This is a weekend away. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. I just wanted to break off for a second to ask are you just following this podcast without being a member of Vegan Business Tribe? Because if you are, then let me tell you. You are missing out on about 80% of everything that goes on at Vegan Business Tribe, including incredible resources and a vibrant community of like-minded vegan business owners from around the world. Because as a member of Vegan Business Tribe, you'll gain access to hundreds of hours of online courses and guides and masterclasses in our Vegan Business Academy to help you grow your vegan business. You'll also get to attend our regular online networking meetups where you can promote your business and just forge those connections with fellow vegan business owners just like you. Plus, if you need more direct advice and assistance, you can join us on a live business clinic or you can post a question in our community hub where all our other members plus our vegan business experts are waiting to help you out. And the best part It's just £18.99 a month. And at the same time, you'll also be supporting the work that we do to champion the vegan business scene around the world. And just to add that we've now also recently introduced one-to-one business coaching and mentoring with myself or one of our vegan business experts. And that's available to a select number of our members. So if you're really looking to take your vegan business to the next level, then we've got you. Don't just lurk on the sidelines. There is a whole community of vegan businesses who want to get to know you and support you. Just head to veganbusinesstribe.com. Click on that big join button on the homepage and I cannot wait to connect with you and discuss your vegan business or your next big idea. Your daily routine then? Um, so we do, we do have volunteers. Yep. Um, so we do have volunteers that will come in and feed the animals morning and evening. Um, so it, it does, de- my, my daily routine varies dependent on how many vo- volunteers we've got. It does lessen in the winter because it's, it's colder, it's wetter, it's shorter days. Um, if I haven't got any volunteers, then I'm up around five to feed all the animals, go to work. It's, it's not too dissimilar. I yeah, just, similar. I just, I yeah. just go off and um, post a few hundred letters in between. I'm a post lady, so yeah, I go off and do my eight to ten miles at work, and then I come back. Yeah. Um, but even whilst I'm walking and out delivering, um, I doubt my boss will see this, but um, I'll be doing a social media post or responding to an animal 
um, it is inquiring. amazing how good you get at Instagramming while you're doing something ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so I, like, you're always thinking about the next <laughs> yeah. post. I quite next... often think, all oh, right, I need a bath. I'll go and run the bath. And while I'm doing it on the way upstairs, but then you just think you've got five minutes. So you'll check emails, you'll check Facebook messages, you'll, you'll be responding to animal requests, advice on someone's got a poly chicken. Yeah. Um, you know, all sorts of questions. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'd like to volunteer. How can I do it? Yeah. What, yeah yeah for you um yeah so you're responding to those i don't think that you ever switch off from that if you've got got social media on your phone and you're you've got all of those apps there you're always looking at them and checking them because some people might schedule a time slot to do that but for me, I just answer them as they come in. I don't know how I'm you could schedule on, it. I do know people that do really? that have an admin hour or San- an admin sanctuary couple of hours. Pardon? Sanctuary owners. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> but I, who are I, these amazing people? No, she's not that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she's, no, she's just more organised, okay. and I guess. But for me, but there'd be non-urgent inquiries okay. because then obviously yeah, yeah. you've got the, the more urgent ones, yeah. the animal yeah, yeah, ones, yeah. the you know that can you help me with? I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. Dealing with people is is a ma- is a is, it is constant, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's all of the time. Yeah. Then I'll get home from work. Um, I do a, I've just started getting into a routine where I have like a, a 40 minute meditation podcast that I listen to just okay. to, it almost gives me, yeah, that's yeah, so you yeah. two meditate. I can't think of anything worse. I am not a meditator. I but, wasn't, oh. but I, <laughs> I never will be. I'd rather put I, I wasn't, face. but it almost re-energizes me for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, then I, then I will go and then it's mucking out. Then it's animal health, checking that everybody's okay. Okay. Um, you know, doing the rounds, um, so making sure the volunteers are okay. So I've got an idea. I, then I have to make sure they're okay for. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like you say, very different. Mm-hmm. I do. I am absolutely in awe of you, ladies, because compared to you, like I say, I know I'm not a lazy person, but compared to you, my day is so simple with pidgeys. Um, but also, I think it's, it's different in that for me, it, of course, it's about the pigeons, but actually, I love the human aspect of it. I love the interaction with the people that support me, and I love the fact that people do feel better when they've brought me a pigeon and they feel like they've done their bit. And I do, I completely understand where you're coming from with it. Um, but yeah, I, I really love that, and that gives, absolutely gives me the boost that but I'm helping the people as well. Like I said before, though, about the the sanctuary almost becoming a sanctuary for our volunteers in some some aspects. Yeah, you know, yeah. some people I. I didn't think, so for me it is, I, I, just, I really related to what you said about being a server for the animals. I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel fulfilled in life. There was always something missing. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I'm there for them. Yeah. And that, that, that almost fulfills me. But I do get something back from seeing how much our volunteers get from it yes, and definitely. how much they yeah. changed as people yeah. or so for example just as a, a small example we had a lady who had been off sick from work for over 12 months hadn't left the house decided to come and volunteer um started volunteering for three hours a day that became um that just twice a week that became five days a week she became obsessed with coming up she was incredible um 
And 12 months later, she was off of her, her depression meds and back in full-time yeah, absolutely. work. absolutely, yeah. Because just coming and giving herself to yeah. the animals who expected nothing in return. Yeah, absolutely. There was no, yeah. There's no expectation from them, apart from a belly rub and maybe an extra, <laughs> maybe an extra carrot. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that for her, that, That's that cleared her head yeah. and gave her the headspace she needed to get back into life, really. I get that, I get that on... Um, I do a lot. I know you use social media as well, and I know I'm on, I'm on it all the time, though. But I get, I love it when people get in touch that have never been to the sanctuary, my sanctuary. They've never met me, or they've never met the pigeons, and they've never spent time there. But they'll get in touch and say, "I love watching your videos." Because I do worry sometimes that I peddle out all this content, which we need to do. We, is that how I? About fifty percent of our fundraising is because I'm going blah 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 about pigeons all day on social media. And and on TikTok, there's a whole like subversion of TikTok of pigeon talk. It's like a really big, yeah, it's a really big thing. You should do cow talk. It's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. TikTok. I love TikTok. So yeah, but people will get in touch and I quite often think, oh, am I doing this right? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I just blether on. But they'll get in touch and go, I love watching your videos because every day I'll video the pigeons in the, the flock and I'll do, I'll do one of the coops each day or something. And it's just five minutes of them walking around and having the breakfast and having a fight because they're horrible and, you know, and then having a shag because pigeons do and this is what they all do. Blah, 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 blah. But, and yeah, and this is what they do. But then people will get in touch and say, I love watching those videos. Have you got any more? And they just find it really comforting to watch sanctuary animals being happy and knowing that they've been a part of it. And that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? To know that you can kind of provide that in a way. So I think that gives us the energy back, doesn't it? Sorry. Um, I, I think this, it's, it's so important to use every opportunity to promote... Uh, vegan lifestyle, not just vegan, but animal rights. Uh, people need, people can't help it because they grow up in cities. They don't interact with cows unless they're stroking them over a hedge or something and they know they're going to be slaughtered. Um, but, but they are conditioned. They're conditioned by a, a city environment, a town environment, and, and they love dogs and cats, but they don't think about cows, sheep and pigs or birds or wildlife come to that. And, and I think the most wonderful thing about running a sanctuary, I know on our open days, we actually give in and have four open days a year where people can come and visit the cows and the other animals. <clears throat> Excuse me, we have a vegan pop-up cafe. We never preach. We let the animals do the preaching. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and not one open day goes by without somebody bringing their meat-eating family member <laughs> who embarrasses them yeah. by asking for normal milk. Yeah. Um, but we don't react. None of the people who help us, I mean, this is the only time we have volunteers, and the volunteers are the people who sponsor the animals because they have a vested interest in the sanctuary being represented nicely. Yeah, absolutely. In that we don't preach, we don't get angry with people who wear leather shoes. We invite them in, we welcome them, we... We do all we can, and then we hand them over to the animals, and the animals actually make them think. So um, it, it's you know it's just one of those things that yeah you know that we we do every all of us do. Yeah. So we've only got a couple of minutes left, and I know we can hang around for any questions afterwards, but we we have to be here for forty five minutes only. 
So, and I've lost the question I was about to ask you because it's just in my head. If there's one way, the, the best way, if somebody wants to come and sponsor, or uh, sorry, if someone wants to come and help your sanctuary financially, what's the best way they can do it for you? Like, short answer, what's the, the best way for you? Just give us money. Okay. <laughs> Simple? No, seriously. Um, we always say, and it sounds, it sounds very hippie-ish, but... We always say, if you haven't got money to support us, send us your best wishes. Give us good energy. Yeah, Give absolutely. the animal good yeah. energy. Because by giving us all that good energy, some good will come from it. Yeah. And support comes in many ways. It's not just financial. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? 100%. And support comes in many ways, yeah. even on social media, by liking, by sharing, oh, by gosh, talking yeah, about absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you, you may not be able to support us financially, yeah. but you can wish us well. You yeah. can comment. Like you we were saying, share. I know there's a load of ladies here who are amazing pigeon people, and they've come along, bought hats, put them on Instagram, tagged me, and I've had hat sales online yeah. because of it yeah. this weekend. Like, hey, like Amy, who's an amazing <laughs> mini sanctuary owner as well. So yeah, it does, doing that, and it costs you nothing to share something on Instagram or TikTok or I can't drive Facebook but I'm sure there's a way you can do it on Facebook as well but I don't know how to do that but yeah just to share your content is really really important so thank you so much ladies it's been absolutely amazing and like I said I totally literally take my hat off to you because I know you have so much more to do than I do and I'm really really grateful for you and coming and doing this and thank you to David and Vegan Business Tribe if any of you run businesses they are the people to go to. You have absolutely made such a massive difference to my sanctuary. I really, and Kaylee. Kaylee sponsors. Kaylee's got an amazing business and she sponsors one of my birds, um, one of my pigeons. So thank you to both of you. And Lisa. Sorry, I was missing you out. Sorry. Anyway, and thank you so much for coming. I hope you've all enjoyed it. And that was a really eye-opening conversation and hopefully it hasn't put you off running a sanctuary if that was your dream because we need them. They do such amazing work. In fact, when I was inviting people to speak on that panel, I asked a number of different sanctuaries that we know as Vegan Business Tribe to join us and most, they just simply couldn't because they could not take a day away from looking after the animals. So, Hopefully, it's made you think more about supporting your local animal sanctuary too. Okay, so that is it. Now, I really hope that we do get to see you at London Olympia on the weekend of the 18th and 19th of November 2023, which is only a week or so away as I'm recording this. And do go check out the full lineup of speakers and panellists. And again, our thanks to Vegan Accountants as our main Vegan Business Tribe live sponsor. After all, if you have a vegan business, then you should really have an accountant that shares your ethics and your mission. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you can, please do give us a like or a thumbs up or just leave a comment with your thoughts and subscribe to our channel on YouTube to see the video version of this podcast. And I will see you, well, hopefully I'll see you in London for Tribe Live. Or if not, I'll see you on the next one.